What's up, what's up, what's up? This is Quadology with the Quadcast. Go follow me on YouTube, subscribe or whatever, ring the bell so you can get notifications when I make videos. Also, I would love it if you follow me on Spotify and Instagram at the same name, Quadology, baby. Quadology. So today's episode is going to be about the Type 1 uh, certification practice test for the EPA and I said it was type 1 on the last one but the last one was actually type 2 so as long as you get the uh, gist of what you're learning and you know you you're focusing uh, my main purpose of doing this is because I couldn't find uh, um, Spotify you know podcast or you know playlist where they had the EPA questions on it so I made my own so now I'm going to be listening to it on Spotify and uh, trying to grow my knowledge and getting this certification. So for all my HVAC students, HVAC, I want you all to stay focused and do your best. Thank you for watching and listening. Keep up the good work. So let's kick it out real smooth like this. Section 608 Certification Type 1 Practice Questions. Listen to each question and the possible answers before choosing your answer. Question number 26. A small appliance is defined as a system that is A. Manufactured, fully charged, and hermetically sealed in a factory with a charge of 5 pounds or less. B. Manufactured, fully charged, and hermetically sealed in a factory with a charge of 15 pounds or less. C. An appliance with a compressor under one-third horsepower. D. Any assembly of precharged components with a charge of less than two pounds per component. The correct answer is A. Manufactured, fully charged, and hermetically sealed in a factory with a charge of five pounds or less. Question number 27. Which of the following is an approved refrigerant for new household refrigerators, freezers, and combination refrigeration freezers? A. R600A B. R1234YF C. R1234ZD D. R1234ZEE The correct answer is A. R600A R600A is isobutane and can be used in household refrigerators and freezers, but the charge is limited to 57 grams, or 2 ounces weight in each individual isolated circuit. For retail applications, the allowable charge increases to 150 grams, or 5.3 ounces weight. Question number 28. The hydrocarbon refrigerant approved for retrofit into existing household refrigerators is A. R600 if charge is less than 1 ounce. B. R290 if charge is less than 2 ounces. C. Any hydrocarbon if the charge is less than 1 ounce. D. None. Hydrocarbons are not approved for any retrofit applications. The correct answer is D. None. Hydrocarbons are not approved for any retrofit applications. Question number 29. 
Recovery devices for use with small appliances must be capable of A. Recovering 90% of the refrigerant when the compressor is operating. B. Recovering 90% of the refrigerant when the compressor is not operating. C. Achieving a 10-inch vacuum under the conditions of AHRI 740. D. Recovering 70% of the refrigerant when the compressor is not operating. The correct answer is A. Recovering 90% of the refrigerant when the compressor is operating. Regardless of the type of recovery device being used on a small appliance that is either active or passive recovery, the technician always has the option of either recovering to 4 inches of mercury vacuum, regardless of the operating condition of the compressor, or recovery to 80% of the nameplate charge of the refrigerant when the compressor is not operating and 90% when the compressor is operational. However, you must be aware that if the system has had a leak, and let's say 30% of the refrigerant has leaked out, it would be impossible to recover 80% or 90% of the nameplate charge, since the system just does not have that much refrigerant in the system. So the only option is then to recover to 4 inches of vacuum. Of course, a system-dependent active recovery system cannot recover to 4 inches of vacuum without damaging the compressor of the system, and a passive system-dependent recovery system can't achieve any sort of vacuum. Question number 30. Recovery equipment is certified by A. An ASHRAE-approved laboratory B. An EPA-approved laboratory C. A SNAP-approved laboratory D. Any of the above three organizations can approve the testing laboratory. The correct answer is B. An EPA-approved laboratory. The recovery and recycling equipment is tested to AHRI 740 standard by a testing laboratory that is approved by the EPA. Question number 31. When recovering refrigerant from small appliances, you must recover... A. At least 85% of the refrigerant. B. At least 90% of the refrigerant with an inoperative compressor and 80% of the refrigerant with an operative compressor. C. At least 80% of the refrigerant with an inoperative compressor and 90% of the refrigerant with an operative compressor. D. All the refrigerant down to a vacuum of 500 microns. The correct answer is C. At least 80% of the refrigerant with an inoperative compressor and 90% of the refrigerant with an operative compressor. This is not 80% of the refrigerant that is actually in the system, but 80 or 90% of the total nameplate charge, which may not be possible if refrigerant has leaked out. And that is why you also have the option of recovering to 4 inches of vacuum. Question number 32. The sale of reclaimed CFC, HCFC, HFC, and HFO refrigerants is A. Banned B. Banned unless you have an approved recovery machine C. Restricted to use in new units D. Restricted to technicians who are EPA certified in refrigerant recovery The correct answer is D. Restricted to technicians who are EPA certified in refrigerant recovery. A process stub is a... A process stub is a...
straight piece of tubing that is entered using a piercing access valve. B. Line located at least three inches below the compressor. C. Service valve installed at the factory. D. Stub to allow additional compressors to be connected in parallel. The correct answer is A. Straight piece of tubing that is entered using a piercing access valve. Question number 34. Small appliance servicing requires this or universal certification. A. Type 1. B. Type 2. C. Type 3. D. Type 1 or 2. The correct answer is A. Type 1. Question number 35. If a recovery cylinder is suspected to be contaminated, measure the A. Pressure of the refrigerant in the cylinder. B. Weight of the cylinder. C. Weight of the cylinder and subtract the empty cylinder weight to get the refrigerant weight. D. Both A and C. The correct answer is A. Pressure of the refrigerant in the cylinder. You must measure the pressure in the cylinder and then along with the temperature of the cylinder you can compare this to the saturation table for that refrigerant. If the pressure is higher than the saturation pressure, then non-condensables might have contaminated the refrigerant. Of course, some refrigerants have very close saturation pressures, making it difficult to detect mixed refrigerants. And both liquid and vapor must be in the cylinder to use the saturation charts. Question number 36. You must know which of the following before beginning a refrigerant recovery. A. Actual charge in the system. B. Type of refrigerant that is in the system. C. Non-condensable concentration. D. Oil type. The correct answer is B. Type of refrigerant that is in the system. You need to know the refrigerant since you need to use a recovery machine designed for the refrigerant and you need to pump the refrigerant into the correct recovery tank. Question number 37. When installing an access fitting, A. It is not necessary to leak test the access fitting because the recovery will be fast. B. The fitting should be verified as leak-free before beginning any recovery to avoid drawing air into the recovery tank. C. The fitting should be leak tested before the system is recharged. D. The fitting should be leak tested after the system is recharged. The correct answer is B. The fitting should be verified as leak-free before beginning any recovery to avoid drawing air into the recovery tank. Question number 38. A passive system-dependent recovery process A. Uses a pump to recover refrigerant B. Uses a non-pressurized container C. Can only be performed on a system with an operating compressor D. Can only be performed on a system with an inoperable compressor The correct answer is B. Uses a non-pressurized container Question number 39. When recovering refrigerant using a passive recovery system and the system has an inoperative compressor, it is A. 
helpful to heat and strike the compressor with a rubber mallet to release any refrigerant trapped in and under the compressor oil. B. Only necessary to recover the refrigerant that will naturally flow out of the system. C. Only necessary to recover the refrigerant that will naturally flow out of the system when the compressor is heated to 100 degrees Fahrenheit. D. Necessary to blow the system oil into the recovery tank with pressurized nitrogen. The correct answer is A. Helpful to heat and strike the compressor with a rubber mallet to release any refrigerant trapped in and under the compressor oil. Question number 40. What requires accessing both the high and low side of the system for refrigerant recovery when using a passive recovery process? A. When the system leaks. B. When the compressor oil is contaminated. C. When the refrigerant contains non-condensable gases. D. When the compressor does not run. Correct answer is D. When the compressor does not run. When using an active recovery system, it would be possible, but slower, to reach the required recovery vacuum by recovering the refrigerant from only the high side of the system. But with a passive system with an inactive compressor, you need to recover the refrigerant from both the high and low sides of the system to have any chance of achieving the 80 or 90% recovery of the total nameplate charge of refrigerant. Question number 41. What is the pressure of a storage cylinder of R134A that is stored in a room where the temperature is 100 degrees Fahrenheit? A. 37 psig. B. 84 psig. C. 124 psig. D. 207 psig. The correct answer is C. 124 psig. Question number 42. Recovery of refrigerant cannot begin if the initial pressure in the system is A. Above 800 psig. B. Above 550 psig. C. Above 30 psig. D. 0 psig. The correct answer is D. 0 psig. If the system pressure is 0 psig, then essentially all the refrigerant has leaked out and there is no way to know if the system is filled with air or not. Therefore, there is no need to recover whatever is in the system since the refrigerant is either contaminated with air or there is only air inside the system. Question number 43. Which maintenance practice should be performed on a regular basis? A. Change the vacuum pump oil. B. Check the recovery equipment for leaks. C. Check the manifold hose set for leaks. D. All of the above. The correct answer is D. All of the above. Failure to achieve a deep dehydration vacuum can be due to contaminated vacuum pump oil or leaks in the recovery equipment or hoses. Question number 44. Which refrigerants can be mixed in a system? A. R22 and R407C. B. R22 and R410A. C. R407C and R410A. D. 
Refrigerants cannot be mixed. The correct answer is D. Refrigerants cannot be mixed. Question number 45. Which of the following is required by the EPA when attaching a gauge set? A. A red-colored high-pressure hose and a blue-colored low-pressure hose. B. Self-sealing valves on the ends of the gauge set hoses to minimize any release of refrigerant. C. Manual hand valves on the ends of the gauge set hoses to minimize any release of refrigerant. D. Either B or C. The correct answer is D. Either B or C. Some sort of valve is required on the ends of the service hoses to minimize refrigerant losses to the environment when the hoses are connected and disconnected to the system. The valve can be either manual or automatic self-sealing. Question number 46. Always look for oil contamination when recovering refrigerant because A. Contaminated oil is hard to remove from the refrigerant. B. Contaminated oil indicates the system will need to be flushed. C. Contaminants destroy recovery tanks. D. If the refrigerant is contaminated, it does not need to be recovered. The correct answer is B. Contaminated oil indicates the system will need to be flushed. Question number 47. Nitrogen tanks should always be equipped with a... A. Pressure regulator. B. Pressure relief valve downstream of the regulator. C. Float switch. D. Both A and B. The correct answer is... D. Both A and B. Question number 48. CFC and HCFC refrigerants can decompose to form... A. Boric acid. B. Sulfuric acid. C. Hydrochloric and hydrofluoric acids. D. Phosphoric acid. The correct answer is... C. Hydrochloric and hydrofluoric acids. It is the chlorine and fluorine in both CFCs and HCFCs that decompose to form the hydrochloric and hydrofluoric acids. Question number 49. At high temperatures, CFC and HCFC refrigerants can decompose into A. Hydrogen gas B. Phosgene gas C. Hydrogen gas D. Chlorine gas The correct answer is B. Phosgene gas Phosgene is the chemical compound with the formula COCl2. A colorless gas, in low concentrations, its odor resembles freshly cut hay or grass. It can be formed by the breakdown of carbon-containing chlorine compounds, such as CFCs and HCFCs, when exposed to high temperatures. Phosgene was a chemical warfare agent used in World War I. It is highly toxic. Question number 50. A very large refrigerant leak can cause suffocation because refrigerants A. Cause asthmatic symptoms making breathing difficult B. Are lighter than air making breathing difficult C. Are heavier than air and displace oxygen 
D. Lead to serious lung irritation. The correct answer is C. Are heavier than air and displace oxygen. In most refrigerant accidents where death occurs, the major cause is oxygen deprivation because the refrigerant displaced the air, leaving no oxygen to breathe. That was the EPA Type 2 Certification Practice Test with the answers. Let me know if you are thankful for it or if you, you know, rather use YouTube, if you like the podcast channel or whatever. Just contact me at Instagram on on Quadology. Or you can hit me up on YouTube at Quadology. Have a good one.